0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daredevil podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy so dedicated to the show that he's already had a pot of black coffee, and keep it coming, sweetheart, it's Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: We need to talk. The Daredevil podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 211. 380 caliber is brought to you by Madame Gau's watercolor paints. Perfect for painting yourself a nice poppy. Water in the court. One more outburst and I'll hold you in contempt. Let's enter the evidence into the record and give the devil his due. Our teaser here, Matt, right where we left off. Alarms blare. Ninjas scale lights flash one ninja suddenly finds the need to use a glass cutter to open the window when he might have just punched it instead that fell a little out of place
0: well now that you mention it maybe it, it does show that he's prepared though i mean you want to you, you want to be prepared you want to have that you want to have that glass cutter in your back pocket in case you in case you have to use it you're not planning to go out and use that pete but if you need to, it's there to keep you safe.
1: Either way, Claire has summoned two guards and her friend Louisa, her co-worker, who she is explaining that one of the patients has killed the, uh, his father with a uh, scalpel. Um, and no sooner does she tell them not to take any chances and that they will need to quarantine them until the cops can... Claire, Louisa screams here. There are three ninjas down the end of the hall. There's another three down the other end. Suddenly the two guards go down. Claire reaches for one of their guns and poor Louisa comes between her and one of the ninjas and becomes a human shish kebab.
0: Pete it appears to me that the hospital needs to have a new system of color-coding its scrubs because Louisa clearly should have had the red shirt. Louisa, we hardly knew you. R.I.P. Well, R. We've, seen,
1: we've seen her before. Uh, She's been in a couple episodes,
0: yes. But, but then, you know what? She's like um, the groom in uh, the Star Trek episode with uh, the Romulans where they show up and he marries the bride and then dies by the end. R.I.P. Louisa. R.I.P.
1: As one of the ninjas here raises his sword to deliver the coup de grace to Claire, of course, Daredevil swoops in, attacks. Uh, ninjas usher the patients away, our, our five, I don't even know what to call them at this point other than patients, possible weird substance mules v-
0: victims. I think victims and patients could be used interchangeably,
1: but they're, they're strangely as the end of the episode proves complicit here in, in what they're doing. Um, but that we'll,
0: doesn't make them any less a victim, Pete.
1: I, I agree. I agree. There's a ninja at the window that, uh, suddenly Claire runs towards with an IV stand and drops him And then one of the ninjas says, I'm taking out the trash and decides to throw old Claire Temple through the window.
0: Shocking moment. Uh, It it leads to a wonderful um, comic book-esque flair, Daredevil jumping out the window himself, catching her and the hanging rope to save the day. Uh, We've seen that before in movies, you know how does he go faster once terminal velocity you know what throw that all out the window it's a really really cool moment it looks authentic and and real and awesome and um I, if you don't think about it too much the awesomeness overwhelms some of the you know science physics issues that might be an issue there
1: ninjas are suddenly on the roof with the patients here uh one of which is being piggybacked just felt a little bit out of place and kind of comical uh, before uh, Daniel, the uh, most notable of the patients, is brought out by one of the ninjas here. And then, Matt, we begin a little bit of a chase, but not before possibly a glaring continuity error. Hey, remember oh, no. the what entire state building in the previous episode that was lit up blue? Now it's purple on the same night which doesn't happen.
0: Nice catch, Pete.
1: Listen, man, there's a reason that we take notes. Um, But uh, this chase here undertaken, Daniel uh, tells his ninja protector, don't let them take us back down there. Um, The ninja suddenly slashes a steam pipe with his sword, which unleashes all sorts of distraction for uh, Daredevil who winds up on a empty rooftop with them gone and nothing but sirens to keep him company into the title
0: card. I had wondered if maybe, maybe the ninja hitting the steam pipe was perhaps setting up something that might, I suppose, come to pass in the, the next two episodes where maybe they have an understanding of his powers to some degree. If not, it also is just a way to write yourself out of the scene Then, Pete, as you mentioned, the credit sequence and the saddest part of the episode, no Vincent D'Onofrio in the credits. Sigh.
1: Sigh, indeed. Claire is bandaging herself up, Matt, as the episode begins, and Matt comes to see her, and he begins to explain what just happened. So there's this organization, its members believe in some pretty strange stuff, 123. They have deep pockets, deeper connections in Hell's Kitchen. Oh, they're like a cult, right? Well, it's a little harder to explain than that. They call themselves the hand. And, of course, uh, Claire's favorite burn patient, Nobu, who was not actually a patient of hers, I should clarify, but she knows that he was burned to death or at least they thought he was burned to death is one of them. And, uh, Matt believes that these killers work for the hand.
0: This is an interesting portion of the episode. Um, Matt explaining the origins of the hand. Okay. I guess that's useful for Claire, but we've been there. Um, why did they want the patients back? Matt has no idea. Good. Neither do we, uh, Speaking of burning, Claire notes that Matt's been burning the candle at both ends and martyrs always end up dead. Check. We kind of knew about her concerns. We knew about Matt working really hard and such. Matt says he can't let the baddies exist in the city. And Claire points out that he's in over his head. All true. I mean, maybe perhaps a little proof, Pete, that maybe he needs help in his, you know, defendering. Um, but it's just, its it, its it's a weird section because... I don't know why Clara needs to know all this stuff. I mean, well, I, I think get it
1: informs her decisions later in the episode. Obviously, the specter of corruption and sweeping things under the rug has a greater resonance when there's this cultish, you know, well healed background behind it. Um, and, and I think that plays into a certain paranoia with her
0: okay okay fair enough uh the conversation though gets interrupted matt gets a call from someone we do not know um just want to point out i think it's like a standard ringtone that he has and it just briefly crossed my mind wouldn't matt have ringtone specific ringtones for people that are in his phone on account of his his you know being blind um perhaps i'm completely wrong Uh, i think he answers the phone like what or hello i mean it's enough to be like is it
1: possible and you know we we had a uh a google call last year from one of our listeners who was uh sight impaired is it possible matt like you can program different um vibrations Ah. for different people is it possible maybe he's got that going on
0: you absolutely can on your um nondescript fruit company device (laughs) um so you know what pete let's call it that he doesn't go through the trouble of the different ringtones um probably in part because that would involve a a degree of navigation that is
1: karen is is two longs and a short
0: (laughs) okay i don't know if that's a metaphor but i'll I'll, I'll, I'll go for it
1: of course not (laughs)
0: anyhow (laughs) <laughs> Matt gets the phone call that, that is that we will learn is from Brett Mahoney, but he has to go and that kind of breaks up the scene.
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, Brett has her, Karen in the interrogation room here. They're almost done. Um, they're going to go over the statement one more time here that she did not see anything unusual outside the apartment. And we're smelling this, Matt. It, it doesn't sit right as it's going on despite Karen's cooperative demeanor.
0: Absolutely. And I I must say, I appreciate that we enter this scene um, in its middle, if not to be more correct, uh, close to the end of it, because we are a little bit behind. And as she's explaining this, it's like, wait a minute. She didn't just hit the deck and not look up. Frank Castle was there cradling her body in, in the most uh, protective and paternal and, and, Uh, you know just self-sacrificing sort of ways so clearly something is up and i appreciate that here we are 11 episodes into the second season and as opposed to letting this storyline or letting all the storylines feel the pull towards the climax of the season instead we're on this little thread of i don't know what's going on after after all these episodes of daredevil
1: Well, Brett explains here, so you know what's going on, Matt, that it's been a long night, that Castle's face is plastered everywhere. The DA and the medical examiner are dead. uh, Are the police going to
0: nail Frank, Pete?
1: The same jerk uh, took a shot at her, and nobody in the city has seen a thing, and he's going to nail him. So check, check, check we're all caught up now
0: <laughs> well pete I, I, we we're almost all caught up i wish i knew kind of what to anticipate next though from exposition brett mahoney oh by the way he also adds it off to powell and reed will take her to a secure location someone will watch her 24 7 so a check
1: yeah uh someone will watch her 24 7 at the hotel travel in where watching her 24 7 means hey we just checked your room we'll be outside and she slips out
0: (laughs) we'll be outside by which we mean hanging out in the lobby
1: (laughs) and miss you
0: (laughs) and miss you entirely because there's there's surely no sort of alternative i don't know fire exit stairs in the back whatever yeah but anyhow that
1: was that was uh yeah an oversight
0: indeed and and we'll explore that scene in 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 microscopic detail in a moment but first we're outside the police building matt is waiting for her confirmed that uh, it was brett who called him karen wants to take care of herself she's going to be just totally take care of herself yay girl power but she will mention that uh, to Matt that, Matt that Frank did not do this. Frank saved her, in fact, and the cops have it all wrong. Also, she mentions on her way out that uh, Castle didn't kill Reyes and he's been framed and looking for the real shooter. Who is that? It must be someone connected to the Central Park Sting. Pete, I think she's caught a case of the exposition mahoney.
1: <laughs> it's it's possible. It 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 it
0: is contagious. Um, I am now going to pause and let you talk. Oh, no. Now I have it, Pete. Oh, no. <laughs> we,
1: we get a lot of that recap. Um, but where this ultimately comes down to is that uh, she is not Matt's to protect here.
0: Which is a nice line. And and kidding aside, or at least to take the alternative argument as we're taking the show a bit to task here with the exposition. Job number one of the narrative is to make sure the audience knows what's going on what's going on. This is not Mulholland's drive, and this is not the 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 insane wanderings of a crazy person. It's a nice time um in the season, eleven thirteenth through it's a nice nice time in all these arcs with all this craziness and Fisk returns and we went off in this little side story there and it's nice with all of this to tie it all together to really just orient the audience. So we're, we're being perhaps a little pinky up in our in our uh, critical look here, um, but I get why they're coming uh, from the direction that they are.
1: To the hotel travel in we go, Matt, where, like I said before, room 415 is clear. Hey, we'll see you outside, you know, 24 seven. By that we mean not really.
0: she yes she sneaks out almost instantly uh where frank is listening to that shining star song oh by the way he's stolen her car her inherited car she explains that she's not a lawyer after all lying to the cops makes her an accessory but she's not gonna run the blacksmith tried to kill her once Frank isn't going to let there be a second chance. So at least Pete in the course of some exposition here, were clear as to the direction of the two of them oriented to, well, towards the blacksmith in the story.
1: Back at the hospital, foggy is visited by, uh, Marcy complete with a uh, foggy teddy bear. And the upshot of this scene here is that, uh, she tells him how much he impressed people around the city when, um, you know, he took over for the opening statement here. And now that he's a free agent, uh, she wants to, in the future, set up a meeting where, all in time, she needs to float his name first.
0: I thought, Pete, that it was just a little disingenuous um, to be like... I don't know. I can't possibly imagine who in the legal profession could be talking about you. Oh, I work 12 hours a day at a specific law firm unique to the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we've already met <laughs> one of the named partners. Either give us either give us the throwaway uh, Hogarth, Chow, and something, um, which I'm sure you remember. Pete. Benowitz. Ho, yeah, Benowitz. Hogarth, Benowitz, and Chow. Like, either give us that, and for the people who go, Ho Garth, like Jessica Jones, you have that moment. Or or don't, but either way, like they've already said that Marcy works at um HBC and um HCB. H- so hey, listen, apologies to Mr. or Ms. Chow. Um H C B
1: Neither of them exists.
0: <laughs> well, I, I apologize to the conceptual Mr. or Ms. Chow attorney at law. Um Regardless, I don't know why they do a little like, uh uh do, do, do you remember where I said five episodes I work, ago where I work? Because I don't know if the audience does.
1: Yeah, and nice to get um, Marcy back here and actress Amy Rutberg. And, uh, you know, great to to get her in, in one scene in this episode. Clearly a, a portend of things to come with whatever mysterious opportunity
0: here awaits. Well, there are a couple of opportunities, at least in the shorter term, Pete, she brings the bottle of booze and that certainly helps. Um, It it occurs to me, a gentleman must cut, cut a hole in an old book to sneak in a bottle of booze to the hospital. A Lady just has a purse. Um, But uh, then there's also reference to, um, let's just say how, how foggy might have something to look forward to when he gets out of the hospital i mean bedtime
1: the hell's kitchen hello perhaps
0: <laughs> wow um anyhow from from that kind of bed to the final bed at the hospital's morgue claire ids the body of one of the ninjas and the hospital administrator notes and louisa is oh and louisa i do apologize yes I'm up there
1: myself. you know in the in the foreground. But uh, in my notes, Matt, before her name comes back up, because we have seen her before, she is first hospital manager lady.
0: (laughs) But then there's like hospital administrator above that whose name I did not catch. I must confess. Uh,
1: We never got one.
0: Well, there you go. Never got
1: one for him. But Shirley, as she's later identified here, is explaining that Claire has gone above and beyond. She's had a traumatic day. You sure you want to be down here? And stuffy hospital conglomerate guy calls her Miss Temple. Did we get that NYPD paperwork finished? Um, You know, you unethically and unilaterally brought five patients to this hospital. Hello, Hippocratic Oath, anybody? Um, You know, but Shirley uh, is defending her as she does throughout the episode. Pete,
0: Hippocratic Oath be darned this guy he's an administrator do we really expect that an administrator is gonna care about the frontline experience for the customer the patient whatever it might be no no it's all about the Benjamins for people like him
1: yeah I mean we we see the the downside and you know unfortunately stories like this are are all too common of these corporate types with with hospital situations but here particularly given you know once he takes the phone call and they continue the conversation the the ninja the dead ninja is centered on in the camera so we know something's going to go on and then as the um the doctor there begins the uh, autopsy procedure listing the the height and the gender and the approximate age and weight, and then they open and find this massive Y incision that is only indicative of a previous autopsy.
0: Yeah, I think anybody who's seen any kind of crime show before, you you, you... – immediately saw that Y incision. Maybe he didn't even know that's what it was called, although thanks, Medicine, for naming something easily. Um, and, uh, and hey, that's the incision you get when you've had an autopsy. He can't have been dead already, can he? Um, well,
1: gee, we were talking about uh, the hand, at least not these characters, but we've had mentioned that the hand has found the secret to defeat death apparently you only find it once though
0: <laughs> uh it is at this point that hospital administrator man kicks out claire and uh, the story moves on elsewhere assistant district attorney tower although I-, I predict big things in his future he's just walking down the street presumably to his car and such as when daredevil pulls him into a construction area conveniently fenced in on three sides Daredevil wants everything the tower has on the, the blacksmith and tower's not going to give it tower's gonna give it all right he's gonna give everything he has it's just the nickname that's all they have oh there is the one lead that the blacksmith's competition who does half the job but moves more product than anyone else in blacksmith's competition um There is a little information there. Could his worst enemy know who the blacksmith is? There's only one neighborhood where you're going to find that competition. Forget it, Jake. I mean, Matt, it's Chinatown.
1: It is. And the second you heard Chinatown, you had to understand that a a certain person could show up there. He throws the suitcase back to him. Daredevil does and tells him wherever he was going to stay there castle and karen in the diner and you know really excellently done framing of the shot with the through the window with the reflection to the street
0: oh it's 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 wonderful wonderful camera work particularly in this scene uh we get that kind of as as the opening shot and then as the scene unfolds, we see that uh, Frank is so beat up, so bruised. And let me read verbatim from my notes here. It's ridiculous that they are out. And I like that the show puts itself out there enough for us to say, come on, this is really kind of pushing it. You know, radar vision from the blind guy, okay. But that they're so out and he is so noticeably beat up. He must, His face must be plastered everywhere. We've heard exposition Mahoney say as much. It rings a little false, and I love that in this in this talky, lengthy, wonderful scene that just luxuriates in dialogue and in acting, they hold these characters out there in such a public spot, not to suspend disbelief, but because Castle wants to be seen. Um, but we're not quite there yet, or repeat.
1: How beat up did his face appear, by the way? He was seriously slugged up.
0: Um yes and they must have had really thoughtful discussions about bruising um because it's not the first time I've noticed that you know he looks bad on; he looks worse on the second day or the third day and it's like oh he's not more injured it's just that we're you know purpling the bruise that was that that was red and raw when it was first hit um I think I appreciate that they're doing that. I mean, if you want to suspend disbelief while you're bringing in radar vision and, you know, ninjas that don't die, you want to give this guy a slightly um, less bruisy skin? I would be okay with that. Um, But uh, regardless, we have Karen... Uh, sharing some uh, some exposition about uh, what the cops may or may not know. She, Karen also knows that there was this unfinished, uh, unfinished rather, highway on Long Island that was used for smuggling. I just, I, I want to see that show, like nineteen nineties hmm. heroin smuggling on the unfinished highway on Long Island, bringing it into the Big Apple. She's
1: uh, uh, saying though, it it would have taken some some payoffs, some bribery, and um, what frank is confident uh in about the blacksmith blacksmith is that he's a ghost that he works alone or close to it he just knows it susanna our waitress is back pouring more coffee he's gonna need as much as that place will pump out and you just got the sense the way that this scene was unfolding that he was biding time
0: i did but again i kind of bought i i I bought the um the the false note of they're just asking us to accept this because they need this talkie scene they need discussion about hey that's an interesting gun you have karen it's not shiny it doesn't have a huge kick that's a that's a 380 it shows thought and as this scene is unfolding i'm saying uh, fine they want a place for these two people to act to have a conversation um We want to find out, as we will discuss in a bit, Karen's thoughts on Matt. Frank's thoughts on Karen's thoughts on Matt. We want more coffee breaks and and all of this. But it's serving a purpose that is not immediately obvious. And that's maybe the best twist of it all.
1: She thinks that he probably belongs in jail, uh, but he is honest to her. He doesn't lie. Unlike the lawyer, not the other one, Murdoch. Uh, The inflection in Frank's voice is pretty interesting here. And Karen explains that he's like a lot of people. He has issues. He's complicated. Um, But, uh, you know, she couldn't seem to hide in court how she felt about him. She says that her feelings are like a swirl, uh, but it's not love.
0: There's also, I mean, the acting here out of Bernthal is incredible especially the way he orders coffee more please just a little bit it's acting with a capital a heck with a capital a c t i n g yes i think the coffee breaks there are to serve as an audience break in these talky scenes there probably was some concern you know if you do five six minutes of non-stop dialogue without anything you know are the are the knuckle draggers among us going to get bored um but I don't know, like, that's how I want to order coffee, Pete. Ma'am, a little more, please, just, just a little bit.
1: Ma'am, do you always serve a BS here, 125, or is it just her? But a fresh pot of coffee coming, and um, Karen explains that Matt Murdoch is the kind of man who hurts people, not like you, but he damages them. he breaks them, the kind of people you need to get out of your life. And I love that Frank Castle as a character here calls her out on this. Cause let's be honest, really what she's saying with Murdoch, she's just, she doesn't know what we know and he's that way for a reason to protect her. Says it's the most bat s. 126 crazy thing he's ever heard in his life that he'd give anything. He'd chop his arm off in the restaurant to feel that one more time with his wife, that she could step on his heart and feed it to the dog, but he'll never feel that again. She'll never hurt him again.
0: What a writerly zag when most of the time you would zig, it would be so easy to give Bernthal this heartfelt scene that we've seen a thousand times before but allow this great actor to put its own spin on it about his his wife his dead sainted wife and so forth but to to be this really raw reminder that that you know life isn't always perfect relationships aren't always perfect and and there's something worse than the bad times. It's it's not having any of it at, at all. I just thought it was so incredibly poignant and moving, and I I, I don't know. There, there's just something so so sadly, beautifully, uh, be- lovely about it.
1: And it's a great bookend to the scene that she needs to hold on to it. And now you need to go in the back. And grab the waitress and tell the cook and anybody else to find the biggest piece of stainless steel you can and get under it. Go now.
0: And with that, we get this wonderful shot now of the parked Buick reflected in the the glass. Uh We have three things going on. The Buick while Frank is waiting and Karen is moving to the staff uh, to get them into the back. Uh, it's rare that you have foreground, midground, and background all advancing the story in one static shot, but they do it here.
1: Above an alley, Daredevil looks down on one assailant heading into a uh, mat a, a dry cleaning complex.
0: I, I in I, Chinatown. I, I felt I, I Pete. I felt like I was being a bad person for writing about a Chinese laundromat. But that's what they have. I, I... I mean,
1: it's not like, Matt, this is an ancient Chinese secret. But, Matt, you and Calgon take me away.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, Pete, uh, the goon uh, is taken out amidst the clothing. It really is an evocative use of uh, the way the dry cleaning is hanging. First, kind of moving from left to right. Then we get um, a second goon taken out as as the shirts and whatnot are dropping down from the higher level it was it it was wonderful seeing a working laundromat used as a backdrop and i mean that genuinely it it really was just a a visually interesting uh setting the Uh, way
1: that the clothes were coming down and amidst the talk here that the pell drop is done that they're still waiting on lafayette and ludlow You know, Ping is told that his kid is messing with the carousel when Ping's kid is really at basketball. And then uh, Yang better get up there. Gets kind of heavy, Matt.
0: It does. We have two more guards coming now from the basement with like that floor, you know, that, that door that's flush with the floor. Neither of them is going to talk about their boss, though. Uh, so, you know, they get, they get knocked around a bit. So Matt goes into the basement door. Have you never seen a movie where you don't do this? He closes the door behind him. And I was convinced this was going to be like, you know, curtains for Daredevil. But who's down there? It's Madame Gao, of course, painting a picture and saying hello to the devil of Hell's Kitchen. She sees from his uniform not costume, thank you very much, that he's taken the name to heart. Matt hears more guards coming, but he wants to speak to her alone. He gets that, Pete. That's the ultimate sign of power when you're just like, sure, I don't need a guard, and you tell your person sitting with you to go call the guards off, and then with that, Gao is ready to talk.
1: Yeah, but not before we head back to the diner where uh, suddenly we've got assailant's in there um frank charges at them as he shoots there's a shotgun suddenly he's using the counter as a weapon throwing people over it and then smashing them into it one of them grabs a knife he goes for Chekhov's coffee pot um and then grabs the knife from the other guy and all you need is karen's reaction to the sound of the knife repeatedly hitting this guy's body
0: in a show that has had so many fight scenes i appreciate that they find new ways to fight here uh there's there with the the knife as mentioned kind of uh leaning on sound effects there's also a moment where where one of the one of the baddies shoots at frank with the shotgun and you see in-camera, which is to say, done practically, done for real, there's multiple elements on the counter, both in front of Frank and behind them, that blow up at the same time. Now, this is, of course, not done with a real shotgun. It's done with well-timed squibs and all that. But it's just, it, it, was, it was really a wonderful effect to just see him ducking, shotgun going off, stuff exploding everywhere, smashing everywhere. Um, and what struck me, too, is that both of the bad guys don't end up dead immediately i mean usually it's just you know oh kick to the head you're knocked out for the rest of the fight oh you you've been shot you're dead um the fact that they are both alive after the climax of the fight if you will um that that blew me away (laughs) and speaking of, of people getting blown away pete how how do things end up for those two baddies
1: well, one of them is crawling for the gun there. And, of course, uh, the way the shot is constructed, Frank has to step on his hand. It's like a rule or something. <laughs> and uh, he wants to know where the blacksmith is. Screw you. He shoots the other guy who's in seemingly better shape sitting up. Um, finally, Matt, he just goes off on this guy's face pistol whipping him, I've never seen a character's face break before
0: yeah, it was um, it it was not a nuanced bit of prosthetics, but an an effective one nonetheless, he's so brutally beaten that this prosthetic, standing in for his flesh, it's gaping and it's raw and it's torn and it's it's just difficult to look at, Um, and it's at this point that he gives up that, uh, that, that what Frank is looking for is at 41st, uh, 41st Street, the pier, and then he's just unceremoniously shot.
1: Yeah. And, and this is the second time that Karen reacts because obviously she knows what's happened and then she sees and really loses it. Uh, he tells her to call police protection, um, to, to get in their custody, to, to just get away from him. She, of course, calls. 911 to the 15th precinct. Uh, meanwhile, Gao uh, trusts her men um, but the uh, the fact that they won't disturb them doesn't mean they won't get at a disturbing aspect within their conversation here. Word was Matt on the street that she left uh, and Matt Murdoch, The daredevil here is surprised she came back. But what made him think she ever left? There are multiple charges pending against her for drug dealing and money laundering, um, not to mention slavery. But what is the reason that uh, he has come there? She expects more from him in terms of understanding the the threat that faces the city.
0: Pete, there's some sneaky and effective use of exposition there. It's nice to get that recap from season one uh, and in such a natural way. You know, of course she would leave. There's all this stuff from season one. Um, I love, too, how she seems bemused. You know, Matt's Matt is pushing this as, you know, it's New York, for goodness sake. Her response, New York is one of her multiple territories. And yeah. heroin, it's implied, is just one of her games. Um, so it's kind of like, eh, you know, the blacksmith moves on on New York heroin. Okay, you you do some stuff in the other area. That's her attitude anyway. That said... She shares that uh, the blacksmith's junk is pure, and he's systematically taking out her chemists and dealers. His stuff must come by boat, but where? She doesn't know, uh, and she she genuinely doesn't know, because he must use professionals more capable than her own. There's just this, I don't know, there's this calm to her. Let's let things unfold. Eh, we don't have professionals as great as his. All right, maybe we move away from heroin and into this or into that.
1: I find her to be the second most fascinating character on this show next to stick, particularly in the way that she just up and disappeared at the end of season one. But yeah, like you that'll said, do it. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> that that'll that do will it. <laughs> do it. There's there's this zen to her that, you know, nothing seems to rattle her. All right, yeah, you'll edge in on my heroin trade. I'll I'll just I'll come figure something else out. And, uh, with their interests temporarily coinciding here, she's ready to give up this, this ruthless blacksmith. You know, if he's ruthless, what is she? I got to wonder.
0: I love the nuance of leadership there that since they do have aligned interests Let's work together. As soon as there's a different set of situ- circumstances, then the situation might change and maybe there'll be bitter enemies again. I, I, again, it just shows this easy confidence that she has. But uh, anyhow, the story moves back to the hospital where Claire finds out that she's not fired, but she does have strike two. All Claire has to do is keep her mouth shut and do her job and all will be fine. Wait asks Claire with an open mouth, what about Louisa? Clara's reminded that the official stories that Louisa was killed by a junkie, surely the lady administrator says that uh, the hospital got a huge donation, it seems. It's all starting to spill out here since the hospital didn't officially have the patients. They don't officially need to worry about the fact that they lost the patients, so shush. With that, Claire goes in and blasts what we can assume is, say, the the hospital leadership group. Job number one was saving lives, not covering their butts or protecting the bottom line. She's out, takes her ID, slams it on the conference table. She has quit.
1: Down by the water, we have Daredevil, and there's great use of sounds at the beginning of the scene. We hear buoys ringing in the distance. There's a chopper, creaky docks, distant gunshots.
0: All you needed added to it was, uh, you know, tamales for sale, tamales for sale. <laughs> it, it, it really was just wonderful. It it almost was too much, but it wasn't. And that's how it was perfect. Um, and with those gunshots ringing out in the night, a guard has found two bodies. Hey, I don't see where this came from. Wait a minute. Now there's a third victim. Oh, wait, it's me because I'm shot in the back. And there's Frank Castle. <laughs> and now I'm shot in the head over
1: yeah how about the watery reflection there too on the deck was just very very well done but you know what Uh, i wanted
0: you know what i wanted in that reflection pete i didn't want frank castle's face i wanted there to be the big reveal as the water settles of like oh man he's wearing the skull shirt like that that would have been over the top amazing like oh he's he's done it he finally did the thing
1: It's, it's this season's red suit (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes i i i don't know if you've just broken a a, a spoilery thing for me but it certainly is no in terms just of in like...
1: terms of you know people are waiting for it they're waiting for it it's it's now in the cover art for all intents and purposes on netflix and where we are through 211 it is not yet shown up on the screen
0: truth truth with that, Frank is uh, moving inside the building. He's found heroin He and is preparing to torch it. Um, and then he's moving to the, to the boat. He calls out to the chicken S, it's you and me now. And I'm not clear, Pete, who he's yelling at. I would dare say- This
1: was Mr. Salt and Pepper handgun assailant.
0: Well, listen, I agree that that's who's on the boat. But I think that- we should not be clear who Frank is yelling at uh, because well, I, think, I continue I think to. think re- that
1: we were. And, and let me extend that line of thought. Obviously, when Daredevil comes, he says, it's not him. I can tell that he's lying. We We get in through the use of the skills. We can tell because it's not somebody we would expect it to be. This blacksmith is not going to be just, oh, hey, it's a guy with a beard. He's the blacksmith,
0: but I. My point is this: beyond that, I keep thinking back to the uh, to the psychologist's uh, testimony at the court case, where Frank is always amped up. He's always, you know, the the fight is always around the corner. So of course, Frank thinks all he needs to do is beat up two guys, and they'll give him the name of the boat. And of course, Frank's big bad for his entire life is going to be there, which to us rings false as. What we are objectively seeing, what we are subjectively presented as audience members, what we can, you know, like look at the episode number and look at the time of the episode and go, we're not having the big showdown between Frank and, and the blacksmith. We're going to save that for later. Um, So I, I, I just, I like how the show lets Frank be authentic Frank, but lets the narrative feel inauthentic in that he's found the you and me and it's all come down to this.
1: And of course, as he's preparing to kill him execution style after he's told him to take the uh, S-133 there, it's an issue of Daredevil showing up and preventing him from doing this, hitting him with the batons. And then, of course, they get into a knockdown drag out fight while... This man calls over the radio that Castle is on board. Get back to the boat now. And,
0: and it all just seems uh, too easy, as you mentioned. Uh, Daredevil has, has already said that this guy isn't the isn't the blacksmith. Um, but there's just this there's this sadness here. Frank is clearly hoping for solitude, even at a false price uh daredevil tells him to do right by his dead wife and children they should team up to truly find the man who caused this pain there's a slightly slower pace to the dialogue here what does it mean to cross the line i didn't mind the fact that this was a slightly talky scene because as you mentioned pete we know that there's backup uh on the way and um and still they're kind of able to have this discussion and we feel the the sword hanging over our head as, but how uh, about
1: the consideration on Matt's part, e- even with the flourish of crossing himself when uh, the Punisher is saying, when you cross this line, you don't come back, saying that, you know, maybe they need a permanent solution just this once, compromising his standards.
0: It's, uh, it, it's, it certainly is a nice character moment not one that they that they linger on, what with uh, ten baddies there to back things up. Frank pushes Daredevil off the boat, and uh, Frank has them fire at him, uh, but not before uh, they mention him by name. This, of course, uh, causes, at least the gunfire causes the deck to explode, and we get a little pause in the action and a chance to uh, switch the narrative somewhere else.
1: Did you find it a little odd that, they're coming back to this scene. They shoot at the boat, which I can only imagine they knew was loaded with gunpowder and they all get knocked out or dead because of what they do.
0: And the boat has tons, if not literally the metaphorically tons of product on it. So why would you risk damaging? What I can only imagine would be hundreds of thousands of dollars of heroin Um, I think it's a fair story baloney moment to call. I think if nothing else, they are trying, they, the writers are trying to get to look at this damage. Frank Castle strikes again, uh, and maybe along the way, got, got a little swept up in that.
1: We head back across town, Matt. And who is it? It's stick. He's just gotten word from midtown. Who'd she get? The Frenchman, not the Merovingian. Uh, we're getting a lot of uh, Matrix in our Marvel these days, what with uh, Grant Ward's pseudo-neo look, um, although we have had, of course, uh, intrepid listener Mary Kirk correct us on that as a uh, historical recreationist. But the um, idea here, the Frenchman Jacques You know, he's he's screwed the pooch. Uh, Ellie has gotten him and they're pretty sure that she is on the way now to him. Kid's always been a doer, Matt. So the men follow him and he explains that a guy once told him there's a power in surrender and choosing when your time's up. Um, But he chose. And now that a-hole is dead. (laughs) (laughs) I just love Scott Glenn in this character. Um, And he wants them out of there. Um, If there's to be a tomorrow for anyone, you gotta follow the plan, even though we're not privy to what that is. Go get me what I need, he tells them. They head out to the car. Passenger first gets in passenger seats, and we hear it rather than see it. He gets run through. Driver gets through, same thing, and we can tell it's Electra in the back seat before we're back at the waterfront with the Daredevil.
0: The camera work there in the car is wonderful. The camera barely shows us the passenger in distress, then moves over to the driver, who then sees it, reacts to the passenger's death, and then he's stuck too. It's a really nice energetic moment uh the camera bouncing you know from the left to the right and so forth it's it's just that little extra bit of flourish there then as you say pete uh we're back at the boat daredevil swimming up onto the dock the goons are dead or knocked out, and uh, the NYPD is arriving. So, of course, uh, Daredevil slinks away. Who's there, Pete, to save the day? It's Exposition Mahoney, I mean Detective Mahoney, shocked to discover these bodies. Karen is there, too, because why not? I guess she was in the car as they were on their way over. Everyone she is assumes.
1: officially, I, I'm, I'm granting her, Matt, a field promotion to Exposition Deputy
0: oh okay well you know what pete you have to do what you have to do sometimes uh but most important everyone assumes that castle did this to these men
1: yeah and um calling for the fire department and ambulances as well as get the the harbor and the narcotics uh departments down here this could be the largest heroin seizure in years Um, And she wonders aloud why, Frank, as the boat continues to burn before we go back to the hospital.
0: Foggy is leaving and Claire is there, too. Ironically, she's leaving as well, though, in a little bit of a (laughs) more uh, more potent sense. Karen, uh, pardon me, Claire tells Foggy that she's out having quit. Matt needs another nurse for his, you know, daredevil stuff. I got a
1: call. Dialogue uh penalty here, five yards. But why Some, Pete? Something like that used yet again in an episode. I get it, but you know, we had Fisk say it twice in one episode. We had another character say it. And now Claire it it just feels crutchy as a piece of dialogue. What
0: is, what is the it that has been said?
1: Something like that.
0: Oh, Uh, Pete, maybe that's the key to to figuring out the larger mystery behind it all. Something like that, Matt. (laughs) It is something like that. Anyhow, elsewhere we have Daniel, you know, the victim, uh, who he says he's ready. He gets cut deep with a samurai sword. Big thumbs up to the production that they, they do that, obviously, with the prosthetic arm, but they do that all in one take. The arm looks 90% real, but we are 100% horrified as it's happening yeah. and as he's bleeding and then just sits.
1: In a tub, there are others who are doing it. We can see that giant urn in the background again at a 45-degree angle. They are breathing. Uh, the eyes closing in on it, you know, just really, really effective. And Nobu tells Hirochi, "And now it's
0: ready." Oh man, Pete, why did we have to podcast this episode? Couldn't I just watch the next one? <laughs> Anyhow, we return to Matt's apartment. He's sitting alone and dejected, but he hears tires looks screeching. Like he was What's... sleeping? Was he?
1: Is Might have sleeping? been exhaustion. I, I sense just. a a strange if not exhausted calm there but before that you know lasts too long the tires screech there's a car crashing out front and it's sticks unnamed driver guy she found him she found stick she's gonna kill him who we know of course who the she is it's electra and then what great close-up work the whetstone for the sword there made slick uh, sticks, katana slid over it. The wrinkly, craggy fingers there of, of Scott Glenn, um, the sword sharp to the touch with the thumb. You could you could make out in the HD there, the, the serrated edge of it.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, he
1: he he blows it. I uh, breathe deeply. Down the stairs comes a female figure, of course, with a pair of size. We know who this is going to be. The door opens. Electra tells him, we need to talk. And as he raises the katana-na-na-na-na, he's all ears. Jackson, your honor, is badgering the witness. Well, what do you want me to give him, a testimonial dinner? Who brought the heat into Hell's Kitchen in this episode? Ninjas, Matt ninjas did
0: (laughs) that is uh literally true there was six ninjas in the hospital uh i kept waiting for the one in the uh in the morgue room to all of a sudden you know snap awake or or whatever it would have been an interesting tonal shift but uh certainly the tension was there for it we have ninjas at the secret hideout with the urn and nobu etc and um yeah it's 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 a ninja heavy episode pete that's that's my deep analysis part of that fantastic geek just just the the brains we bring it's ninjas everywhere
1: but not ninja turtles um
0: not yet pete not yet (laughs) i'm telling you it's season three
1: (laughs) When, when uh matt studies with uh shredder and uh Oh, who's the rat? Oh, I can't uh, Splinter? I remember. Splinter? Splinter, sorry. Sorry. Uh, lost geek cred all over the place. You,
0: you did. Pete, you probably can't even name the other famous character done by the performer who performed Splinter in the Turtles movie from 1990.
1: Off the top of my head, I I cannot. I can tell you, Foot Clan though, Matt, and we're dealing with the hand here, so clearly different gang.
0: The answer but, is Elmo, by the way. But back to Daredevil. Oh boy!
1: And we know we know of his criminal background now, so we're just going to leave that alone.
0: Absolutely.
1: Madam Gao, Matt, where's she been?
0: Um. Uh, you know what? I'll take her at her word, Pete. I'll take her at her word that she never left. She was hiding in plain sight, and um, I, I like that answer best of all. You know, and for all her underplaying New York, well, if it's just one cog in a in a many cogged wheel, then why have you stayed here the whole time?
1: Well, clearly her thriving opium business. Um, keeps her around. What we don't see this time around, and clearly because it's a, a larger production piece, are the the blind couriers, and explained that they're being taken out. So, um, you know, it's it's all convenient from a storytelling perspective. We last saw her in the the warehouse where they were sending blind people out with packages. And uh, then she had disappeared in the middle of a conversation. Just love the vibe that she brings. You don't need to have the mush- mustache swirling bad guy or the the brawn and, and the calculation of a Wilson Fisk. You can have this really calm... Uh, just creepy as all get out because she's so calm, villainous, and uh, can't get enough.
0: Oh, she's wonderful. It, it's 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 wonderful to have her return, um, overshadowed, of course, by Vincent Nafrio's Fisk. But the fact that we are at a villain place in the 11th episode of the second season, which feels similar or at least reads on the on the cast list as so similar to last season, but it's presented in a fresh way. It's just just stunning and so much fun.
1: And then Matt, maybe the most believable villain in all of this series, corporate hospital middle management.
0: <laughs> Pete, I think that we can bring together Democrat, Republican, Liberal, Conservative, uh, and, and probably our listeners around the world to say, hospital administrators. I'm sure there's some good ones out there, Pete, but it's it's it, it's an industry made for bad, heartless people.
1: I mean, how easy to write these slimy, unctuous. Oh, you know, you better fill out that paperwork. Oh, hang on here. You didn't see anything. We just got a donation, and now I'm going to censor all of you. Furthermore, How...
0: uh, we, we didn't have the other paperwork, so they weren't officially patients, so nobody died here because they didn't live here.
1: Yeah, And we'll take that hush money all the way to the bank and not even name a new wing after them.
0: <laughs> the, new, the, the new anonymous wing. But the anonymous
1: not... ninja
0: wing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the anonymous ninja wing, brought to you Actually, by neither. <laughs> I know
1: who the benefactor of that that new wing is is going to be. It's going to be ninja.
0: There, yeah, there you go. The name's on the building, Pete. Your Honor, may I approach the bench? May I approach the bench?
1: It's time to step aside and approach the bench to discuss some off-the-record theories. You be the judge. Matt, what is up with these ninjas that apparently have cheated death but can only cheat it once?
0: I, I did not take it as canonically as you did. Um, here's what I imagine in my spoiler-free existence is filling in the blanks that if in your ninja service you die by another ninja who can get you back to the urn and the it and what I would assume is going to be a slow rollout of quasi-magical, mystical um, villainy that uh, doubtless will not be completely resolved in this season and thereby lead towards, wait for it, the Defenders a year from now um, or a year and a half from now um i I think i think that's where it's headed and if you happen to be reanimated ninja who doesn't get brought back home because now you're in the morgue at the hospital then it's it's curtains for you so
1: dead is dead so to speak
0: dead is dead unless you can get to the magic urn that will save you
1: interesting We've mentioned it before, you know, this idea that uh, Foggy is being targeted by other legal firms with the possibility that it is um, Jerry Hogarth's firm from Jessica Jones having been name checked once before by uh, Marcy. Um, Is there another possibility
0: if there is, there's not one I'm aware of in Marvel canon. Um, it's to the point that before when I was struggling with the third uh, partner, who ended up being Benowitz, I started to look it up on the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe wiki, and then I was like, wait, no, I don't want to see Jaron Hogarth in Jessica Jones and Daredevil potentially. That was my fear. Right. Um, so, I, I again... If she is, I'm not being spoil spoilery. I'm just being proactive and not having exposed myself to the information. Um, if they're setting up another legal firm, I, again, I certainly don't know what that could be.
1: How about um, the discussion between Frank and Karen in the diner as candid as it is and when he brings up the subject of her feelings for Murdoch – I love the over pronunciation of it. Is there a little something happening here between the two of them?
0: I did not think that you were going to suggest that Pete. I thought that what you were going to put forth as a theory was, is Frank floating? Is Frank trying to figure out if Karen knows too, that Daredevil is Matt Murdock because Frank has figured it out. I thought I that's what Frank's we were dancing I Frank's figured
1: it about. out. You, you suspect Frank has?
0: I suspect that possibly he has. And if we get that reveal, uh, then that's what that scene could have been dancing around. That he he wants to talk about secrets that the lawyer has. What secrets do you know about, Karen? And she says, well... I know that he's a very closed-off guy and a complex individual and a heck of a lawyer. And we're going to talk about him as a person with feelings. And I was imagining, not seeing on Bernthal's face, but I was imagining that on the inside, Frank is saying to himself, oh, she she doesn't know. Or, or I'm barking up the wrong tree or or whatever it is. She's taking this to an emotional place, not the... Uh, I don't know why he's a very complex man who has to find justice in a variety of ways, some within the confines of law and some within natural law there's not that kind of answer I I think he possibly knows
1: I get the distinct feeling that he's kind of sounded her out because in their meetings he's developed a little bit of a soft spot and I can't say that it's one
0: way I, I think that I think that that's possible. I would not, if 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 I had the 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 season two, pre-filming writing staff, uh, sitting here, Pete. I would say I would caution them against that because a, I feel it's a little tropey, and b, I know that Karen Karen is a woman who has feelings and likes going out to dinner and and presumably likes likes other activities, but I just feel like it's a little it's a little diminishing of her character to spend time with this rugged man who's done you know done man stuff and not not in the new york city kind of way he's gone and you know done primal man killing stuff and now she's drawn to him (laughs) i i don't like the 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 curve of that arc
1: We've been using our enhanced senses to monitor the frequencies. Here's what you had to say on Facebook, Matt, uh, responding to episode two Oh nine Stacy Taylor writes in, I just started this episode. So exciting for the turn of events. And hopefully Stacy, you're caught up with us here to see all the, uh, the violence that, uh, Frank Castle has uh, revisited upon the city.
0: Absolutely, Frank. Frank's out there. It's uh, it's exciting times. It's dangerous times, and uh, and uh, it's party time, man. Pete, adding to the party, we got a, a nice tweet from uh, Wes Sager. That's. At Wes Sager, S-A-G-E-R, um, who said to us, you guys are outstanding. I thoroughly enjoy your show. Great insight and information. Hashtag make mine Marvel, Hashtag nuff said. So thank you, Wes. Welcome aboard.
1: Yes, thank you. It's, uh, it's always really uh, satisfying to hear back from listeners and uh, keeps us doing what we do here
0: want to also, of course, give a thanks to the listeners who are helping us out on Patreon, helping make the uh, the, the the bandwidth and the this and the that and the storage all possible with the techity tech tech. So uh, if you would like to lend a hand, head on over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek and see some of the goodies that we have. Plenty
1: of perks being uploaded there all the time uh including a special one just for patrons so may want to check that out
0: absolutely yeah posted uh when was that on pete Uh, april april 19th i believe it was 18th yeah um so yeah a little something for for the the patreon patrons only but pete the greatest gift of all is sharing and caring and that's what you do on the twitter how can people follow you there
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-A-L-R-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-7,591 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole host of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. That's with the P and the H. You can find us under the name Fantastic Geek on the Gmail, the .com, the Twitter, the Instagram, and more, Pete. Facebook.com
1: forward slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P-H. Get on there and like it.
0: Pete, can you believe that this time next week we will have concluded season two of Daredevil?
1: I can't. I don't want it to
0: end. I know. It's 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 gone by fast. So uh, we'll be back, before you know it, with uh, with uh, the next episode for Daredevil, then on to S.H.I.E.L.D., if you listen to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Uh, if not, we'll be wrapping up Daredevil next week and uh, looking ahead to, to whatever the future holds for the series. I'm sure we'll do a series wrap-up episode as well, get to some uh, some news that's been out there about the Netflix Marvel goings-on, and uh, it certainly goes by fast, Pete. I hope, I hope all these characters make it out alive, although... Uh, I don't know, they might not. I guess time will tell. Anyhow, with that, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word.
1: I fear the path you have chosen is not easy.